All right. This is Inside with Outsiders, and today's guest is a good friend of mine, Troy Hinson from Black Caviar, Sirius XM Radio, and Prince Street Bodega as a new project, right? Brand new project, yeah. Perfect. I yeah. forgot to introduce myself. My name is Jeremy S. Gary. <laughs> What's up, Jeremy? What's going on? Good seeing you, buddy. Likewise. I haven't seen you in a while, I and know. I've known you for how long now? Oh, man. 15, 16 years, maybe, at Jeez. this point? Jeez. Yeah, That's a long time making ago. Making me feel real old right yeah, now. Right. Can you bring the mic a little closer to your face? Yeah. You would think the guy on radio would know how close to... <laughs> <laughs> I'm not monitoring in the headphones. <laughs> well, yeah, I know. I mean, honestly, I would like to do monitors. That way, nobody will talk over each other. But it's kind of hard getting everything. Oh, yeah. Okay. I mean, so far, we've been good with this. Yeah. Um, all right, Troy, I've known you long enough. This is, this is interesting because I, I know you a lot. I know you really well, but I don't know a lot about you. Um, or as much as I'm about to find out today. Hopefully, yeah. Where are you from? Uh, originally from Allentown, Pennsylvania. And what was that like growing up there? Uh, you know, it was, it's just a kind of little town in Pennsylvania. You know, grew up uh, kind of near the the guys from jackass yeah so you know I, I would skate with those guys back in the day and that's kind of like you know you just kind of there's not a lot to do so you you understand how those guys came up with jackass you know because you, you just you have to entertain yourself right. somehow um but yeah just grew up uh skate a lot of skateboarding uh played in a lot of hardcore bands um well you're jumping ahead i want to know everything like you know you skated uh Let's talk about these hardcore bands. You've been in a lot of musical projects and across many genres. Oh, by the way, you're also Grammy nominated, right? Yeah. Yeah. I should have said that in the intro. Troy is Grammy nominated and uh and uh, I'm super proud of you, man. That, oh, thanks, man. That was that was a project. I remember you starting Black Caviar, mm -hmm. um, which is um I don't want to say EDM, but what is it? You know, it's just kind of one of those things where it it's just sort of undescribable un dance music. We'll just right, say it's dance like music. dance music with a flair of hip hop, right? A lot of hip hop. Uh, we mix in some some Latin rhythms. Um, so we're kind of all over the, the map, you know? And you were no nominated for Grammy for the uh, Spider-Man, the into animated Spider-Man, right? Yeah, the Into the, Sp the Spider-Verse. Yeah. Um, we did uh, a song on there called What's Up Danger. Okay. And um, yeah, the, the soundtrack was great. It had Post Malone, Nicki Minaj, a bunch of other great artists. Lil Wayne, I believe, was on and it. And were you the, were you, was your song the only song nominated for the Grammy? Oh, the album was nominated for the Grammy. The album was nominated. Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah, cool. Yeah. I thought it was just you specifically able to uh, say, what's up? Yeah. <laughs> you beat out the big stars. Um, all right, so back to like these bands and your starting music. How did you start in music? And what was like, did you take a liking to music class or was it always like on your own where you just wanted to be, you know, you picked up a guitar on your own or whatever? Uh, I guess it basically started with just um, getting a drum set, banging on drums. You know, my dad was a guitar player, started messing around with his guitar and uh, just started playing in bands. And, you know, this is kind of like late 80s, early 90s. How old were you when you picked up your first guitar and like decided I want to be in music? Oh, man, probably 10 or 11. And did you know like that's what you wanted to do? I fell in love with it really yeah. quick. Yeah, I just loved music. My dad would, you know, he was way into music. He worked in radio. You know, he introduced me to the Beatles and uh, Elvis. And so I went down just exploring that and then, and then you know, getting into punk rock and metal. Um, and then, you know, just being like, okay, so, you know, punk rock is only a couple chords. Like, how do we play this? And, right. you know, getting together with your friends and figuring out these songs and there's like wow we can play this and it's like well then we might as well just go play a show right you know so you know i was about probably about 15 when i played my first show with really? my friends yeah and um 
you know, it was fun. I mean, it was just, you know, where did you play? Uh, I played a place in Bethlehem, Pennsylvania called Scarlett O'Hara's. Okay. And it's a cool uh, name. Yeah. It was yeah. just this little underground, uh, spot in, in Bethlehem and you could, you had to, uh, sell tickets yet. They gave you like a stack of tickets. So I'd have to go to all my friends at school and yeah. Hey, you know, five bucks for a ticket and you know, you sell these tickets and then you get paid that night, you know, when you know, you, you cash out and they give you your money. Um, and we loved it. It was just fun. And then, you know, you start building this community of, of other musicians in different schools in your area. And, you know, then you get invited to play other shows and you invite those guys to come yeah. play shows you're booking. And, um, that's really how that, that network. And in, you know, in Pennsylvania, it was a really cool, there was a really cool music scene and there was, there was, there was hardcore and there was punk and there was that scene. And there was also a rave scene happening in mm -hmm. the, in the nineties. That was a lot of fun. You know, they would gut a warehouse in Penn, in Allentown and they throw raves there. And, uh, so, you know, I'd go to a hardcore show on a Friday night and then Saturday night I'd go see a rave. And, um, that's kind of how I, I fell in love with, with different genres of music and DJing as well as playing in, in bands. Yeah, well, when, when, uh, when was your, you started at like 15. Yeah. But, uh, how, how good were you guys? I mean, oh, <laughs> terrible. <laughs> <laughs> Terrible. Let's say if you picked up a guitar at 11 for the first time and you started playing shows at 15. First of all, I, I find that amazing. One, like that you had the initiative to have your own shows and create your own band because we, we had uh, Anthony Martini on the show of Formula V Town Concrete, also a lifelong music uh, entrepreneur, music industry person. And, and they put out their first album at 16, which I was like, how did you do it? And I, I found out how they did it, but like, for me, at 16, I didn't know my ass from my elbow. I mean, I didn't know that until I was, maybe until now. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I, I, I was playing basketball, and, and I couldn't, you know, I couldn't even imagine trying to put an EP together, you know? Yeah, I mean, you, you, we weren't good. You know, yeah. you don't, at that age, you really don't even know that you're out of tune. Right. You know, you're just kind of playing. Well, and, I mean, punk is kind of okay to be out of tune, it too. It kind of, pretty much, yeah. yeah. And, you know, punk and, like, that stuff, it's just a couple, like, just it switches between yeah. like you know two two or three chords so there really isn't much involved it's not it doesn't take a lot like you know if you listen to like you know the ramones like there's not yeah. a lot of you know they're, they're playing fast right but it's not overly technical right um so like, as long as you're kind of in the ballpark and you know when your friends are there it doesn't matter it's it's right. just kind of you know about the about the uh, and then you know and, and back then too you know you you know now you can record in your place and you can you write a whole album in your bedroom right you know? back then you know you had to like find a recording studio, you had to show up, you know, you had to call the guy, be like, hey, I want to bring my yeah. band there. And he'd show up and, you'd, you know, you meet this guy who's just a lunatic, you yeah. know, but he happens to have recording gear, you know, and so that's how you'd have to record your album or demo, you know, and uh, it was just, it's a funny way to do it, you but know. What did your family think about, I mean, your dad was a music head, right? Mm -hmm. But, uh, and your parents are divorced, correct? Yes. All right, yeah. so what did your... What did your dad think about it? And what did your mom think about this passion of yours to be a musician? I mean, I know from my experience, I didn't take the traditional route as far as finding a nine to five and so on. So I got a lot of grief from my parents about, look, look, find a job, find a job. And they left me alone once I was able to achieve certain goals. And the final goal I achieved that they really left me alone was I got health insurance. Right? <laughs> that was the last goal. They were like, all right, yeah. we're leaving him alone. Yeah. But what did your parents think about your, your choice and your path? Uh, I think at first they were a little... I, you know, they didn't get it. I mean, I, 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 listening to 
they just didn't get metal. I got really into metal and playing drums to in metal. You know. And what do you metal. think brought you into metal? I mean, obviously, I think anyone into metal as a kid is come up, got some sort of anger, right? Anger and like trying to anti-society because you're not happy with what's going on. But want to explain that your path into loving metal and then how they didn't understand metal. Like, talk about that. Well, I guess it it, it started with. I, I probably Guns N' Roses came out. That's crazy. And they, they were they, they were like the band. Yeah, of course. They were like the number one. I loved Guns N' Roses. Yeah. I mean, Appetite for Destruction was one of my favorite albums of all time. Same, same. Yeah. Yeah, and that was like a life-changing moment for me, discovering that record. And yeah. uh, just the power and aggression in those songs. And then, you know, going into like Motley Crue and, 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 and listening to that, and then discovering Metallica. That was kind of the defining moment where... You know, especially the song one. Um, I remember, you know, seeing the video for that, you know, and I was probably, you know, 11 years old, maybe 12. And it, I remember it scaring the hell out of me. I was scared of the video. Really? And um, I was scared of Thriller by Michael Jackson. I remember, I, I remember being <laughs> frightened of that as well. Yeah, yeah. I did love Michael growing up. Likewise. Um, but yeah, I remember being, and I remember, the, the, especially the, the part that really got me in that song in one was the synchronized and I remember hearing that part and I remember that that changing my life I remember like thinking like oh you can do this with music oh wow it just it opened my there were bands doing it before that but you know to my 12 year old ears I had never heard anything like that um, and so that was the time where I was like, oh, okay, this is, this is the path that yeah. I want to, I want to start going down. So yeah, that, that to me was like hearing that for the first time was changed my life. So I want to know what, what bands came after that. Cause once you hear that, you start digging deeper. I mean, you're, you're a type to dig for music, right? Sure. I know you are. Um, so what bands did you discover that really spoke to you? And also, let's talk about your parents. Like, they're like, what is this music? <laughs> Especially from Pennsylvania, I believe, I believe <laughs> excuse me, that they're religious as well? Yes, yeah. So, yeah. yeah, I mean, what were they, Satan's music? What are they saying? Yeah, of course. I mean, it was Satan's music. And both, both your parents were saying that? They, they're both very religious, yeah, yeah. But your father was an Elvis fan, right? And he was, Elvis was being accused of, I mean, this is back in his day, of being the same way, right? Sure. I mean, well, when my dad was growing up, you know, his parents were like, you know, Elvis is is the devil's music. Mm-hmm. So of course, to him, that was that was rebellious, right. you know. So then he grew up with that. And he's like, come on, it's Elvis. Who cares, right. you know? So then, you know, when I the bands that I liked, well, he's like, that's the, the devil's music, <laughs> you know. And it's like, so you know, I don't know. Maybe if I had kids, I would be like, well, today's the devil's music. Right. I don't know, but you know, it's, so yeah, they were they were. It, it was loud. It was really aggressive, you know, like playing the drums to that music. I mean, it's it shakes the whole house, yeah. you know. So I guess they were a little confused. Well, you were playing me. drums? I played drums. I played bass. I play, I, yeah. I've kind of been all over the place. I, I, I played drums for the most of my childhood in, in different bands. That's mm-hmm. kind of where I started. Um, so, yeah, they were a little confused by it. You know, they didn't they didn't get it. They didn't understand it. Um, which, you know, you don't want them to, you know, you're, right. you're not, parents aren't supposed to, they're not supposed to get it. Right. You know, so yeah. that's, that's kind of what made it cool. Right. You know? Yeah. Um, but then you know, as far as once like, the, you know, Metallica happened and then you kind of, you, you, I graduated a little bit to more like hardcore, like, um, growing up in the nineties, um, you know, bands like earth crisis, Oof. Snapcase, 
uh, one of my all-time favorite bands, uh, this band Dead Guy from New Jersey. I don't um, know Dead Guy. Yeah, they I know uh, Earth Crisis was a band I was a big fan of, and there was Straight Edge, which was yeah interesting. Uh, but Dead Guy, I never heard of. Dead Guy, yeah, they're from uh, New Brunswick, New Jersey, and um, they they really kind of put out one album that just sort of changed everything. They like all the other bands, like Every Time I Die, Dillinger Escape Plan. Yeah. They all sort of followed this blueprint of this one album that this band put out. And they actually reunite. They they broke up before even anybody cared about them, hmm. and it was just this. They were this legendary band that broke up a long time ago. Never made money on it, and they actually reunited. Uh, I guess two years ago for the first time. Then I was at I was at their first show back. And nice, of course. So yeah, they, they that was a they are an incredible band. But yeah, so it was like you know that the hardcore scene was was really cool. Like all yeah. the even like the New York you know bands, Sick of It All, Madball. Mm-hmm. Um, H2O, um, you know, I mean, we were going to shows every weekend. From that. Pennsylvania to New York? From from Pennsylvania to um, Philadelphia. Yeah. Had a, a really cool scene. Uh, Scranton, Pennsylvania had a really cool scene. Um, even New Jersey, you know, coming into like Middlesex College, uh, New Brunswick. And then, yeah, you'd come in to see hardcore yeah. shows in, in the city. Uh, how, how old were you, I guess, was phrase, in high school, uh, you're in this band, this crappy little band. But uh, what you what what did you do after high school like, and did you did your band career flourish any more within your high school days? Yeah, I mean, it, you know, I just basically got into other bands and then you know toured in a couple different bands uh, coming out of high school, um, and you know nothing really took off. You know, I was fortunate enough to do some tours around the United States. And well, what bands did you do tours with? Uh, there were just a couple. Couple bands that that just zero. <laughs> Come on, I, nah, it's not even worth mentioning. But no, it was it was fun. You know, it was a learning experience. It's you know you're you were we were is that like the Wolfpack days? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, gotcha. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, it was fun. I mean, we 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 had fun touring and um, you know touring before the internet. You right. Know? I mean, that was that was a wild time. You know. Well, probably better off that it was pre-internet, pre-cell phones. Yes, it was. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean. Do you want some of that being seen, I guess? Or no, <laughs> no, it's a different time. I mean, I, I can't imagine, you know, because you could go to a city and just meet people. And then you wouldn't you wouldn't see them again until you came around a year later. Yeah. You know, you wouldn't even, you know, you'd write them a letter. So how know. long did you tour? Uh, how old were you? Uh, I probably toured, you know, through my early 20s till maybe about 23. Okay. 24. And then, um, yeah, I just, I kind of. What was life like for you then? Um, it, it, it was interesting cause I would tour with these different bands and then I was also doing body piercing at that time. And this is kind of like early nineties, um, or excuse me, uh, late nineties, you know, when, when body piercing was cool, you know, at yeah. that time. And so I was doing that and then I would go out on the road for a while and then come back and work at a tattoo studio. And it was pretty fun. It was a pretty cool thing to do in your early twenties. So what did you do after that? What, what made you, what, yeah, what did you switch to? So I basically had this kind of crossroads in my life where I just kind of, I, I was like, okay, it's time to give up on the music dream. You know, like all my friends were kind of, they were graduating college and they were starting to head down the path of, of um, this is what I'm going to do with my life. Right. And I was like, I don't, you know, I don't see myself, you know, I mean, I love playing music and I love doing this, but I just don't know the path of making this my, my, you know, yeah. do this for a living. So um, I decided that I was going to move to New York 
and um, I got a job then at that point at, at Sirius XM Satellite Radio. What year was this? 2006. Okay, so that's pretty early on in the Sirius day. Right, literally like before the merger. I mean, they, they had pretty much launched maybe a couple years before. So um, you... Uh, you pick up and leave. Did you did you have a job lined up, or just move to New York and try to figure it out? Just moved to New York and uh, just like I'm gonna, I'll figure it out. Did you have a place to stay? Like, what were yeah, yeah. I, I got a place and um, basically went to uh, you know to get my foot in the door. There, I had to go to audio school. I went to school um, Institute of Audio Research in mm -hmm. Manhattan. IAR. Yeah. Isn't that where Manny went? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> One of the guys who tattoos. There's a tattoo studio where we're shooting. Uh, and he was IAR as well. Oh, okay. Yeah, unfortunately, they're not in business anymore. They tore down the building. Really? Oh, yeah. It wasn't by St. Mark's or something like that? It was on uh, University Place. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, so I basically just went went to school for eight months, I believe the program was, and got an internship at, at Sirius, and I had already done recording at home, so I, I had a pretty good knowledge of making stuff. So I started just producing stuff for Sirius. But like what show were you on in Sirius or what channel? So I, I basically started doing um, just audio production for um, uh, Liquid Metal, uh, The Coffee House, First Wave. Um, these were all channels and I, I had just sort of done like audio production for yeah. them and, and, and done imaging for them. And they were like, oh, okay. Like, yeah, we'll hire you. <laughs> okay. So, uh, it, you know, it was fairly fairly easy to get get my foot in the door but that's that's kind of how the the route you have to go especially if you if you haven't come from um uh big market radio you know if you if you worked at k-rock you know you could get your, your foot in the door there right. easier but if you didn't it's harder to do how did you make it from like you know doing production for these shows to being on air personality well once the merger happened um with with sirius and xm uh, there was a couple shows that had come over from XM to Sirius, and then I had gotten moved over to the comedy side to work on these shows. Um, and it was just one of those things that was like, hey, there's a position open here. Do you want? And I was working in music, and I loved the music channels. But something about comedy just seemed like, oh, you know, I don't really know much about comedy. You know, like this is uncharted territory for me. Let me, yeah, sure, I'll take the job, you know? So. I did it, and I ended up liking it. Actually, liking it better than than the music side of things. But what were they? What, were you just still doing the audio production for them, or yeah, doing audio production, and then I started just coming out with stuff, content for the shows. What did you just skim something one day? Like here, I have an idea, and they were like, "Oh, this isn't that bad." Let's oh yeah, go with it. You, you know, you sit down in a meeting, and you, you you just pitch ridiculous ideas, yeah. and you know, sometimes you know, so when they decide, okay, well, you're pretty funny, we want you on air. Well, that just kind of happens naturally, you know, where you're like, if you're involved with something that's happening, yeah. you know, like a bit that's happening, and then they're just like, well, you know, bring Troy in. Let, uh, what, right. Troy, what happened with this? And yeah, you're like, we got you. Yeah, so then it, it kind of turns into, uh, all of a sudden now you're a character on a radio right. show. So wait, what, during this whole time, you're not doing any music at this point? Like, no aspect of music? Because I know you also DJ. Right? Yeah, not, no, at that time, no. I was not, I was not doing music. I, I had... I was in the mindset of I had to stop being a kid at that point. And, and music was, was something that's like, right. oh, that's what kids do. Right. You know, like, or I, I can't figure out how to make it. This is now my profession. Right. Um, and then I, I just, there definitely was, there was just a hole in my heart of I love music and I want to be involved in music. And um, 
I started hanging out with some DJs. And um, I, I think we have a mutual friend, Neil Jackson. He, yeah. He actually told me, he taught me how to DJ. And really? He, he, I didn't realize he taught you? He did. He was basically like, um, I was watching what he was doing, how he was DJing. And I was like, oh, you know what? I, I could, yeah. I think I could do that. Yeah. You know? And he's like, well, how about, how about, you know, he was booking a couple places at that time. He's like, well, how about you just, I'll get you some, ga- you know, learn how to do this. And once I think that you're okay, I'll get you some gigs and put you in these spots. Right. You know, and uh, you know, it's, it's, it's funny. I'm like, sure, let's do it. And you know, at the time you're like, yeah, let's, let's do this. And then you get to the gig and that's, that's where it's, it's, it's <laughs> you're like, I am in over my head. <laughs> Everybody's walking out of the room. What gig, were, what was the place you did your first DJ gig? And uh, what happened? So let's see here. The first couple gigs, um, I did a, a place down in the Lower East Side called Los Feliz. That was down on Ludlow. Um, it was a cool little little spot. They had a DJ there Friday and Saturday nights. Um, and Is that the, where you met Katie? Yeah. Okay, I met yeah. Katie Storm there. Yes. Yeah. She, she was working there then. Um, and then I DJed another place called the 675 Bar yeah. in um, Meatpacking. Yes. That was uh, below... Uh, yeah, right on 9th Avenue between 13th and 14th. Yeah, it's, an, it's a... Uh, I remember there. seeing you spin there, but I'm sure it was like years after you'd... Okay, yeah, 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 yeah. So, yeah, so I DJed there, and th- those are fun. But yeah, I mean, it, you know, it's 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 scary. I mean, it's scary DJing for the first couple times, and you're in a room with people that want to be entertained. And, yeah. you know, you, you ha- you're you like, I know these songs work, and then you play those songs, and then you're like, now what? <laughs> what do I do now? <laughs> like, six minutes in. So, yeah, like, yeah, literally, and you're like... You know, and like in you know, I mean, you know, DJing in New York. I mean, so you sometimes have to do marathon nights where you start yeah. at eleven o'clock and you'll have to DJ till four o'clock in the morning. Yeah. You know, it's just like so. Um, it, it, so it was learning how to like not blow your load early, kind of right. build yeah. up to a crescendo kind of thing. But even then, like peaks and valleys, right? I've exactly. listened to Quest Love talk about it. Like you, yeah. you can't have highs the whole time because then you don't feel like highs. And you burn you burn people out. Yeah, exactly. You, know, you, you can literally make people exhausted. Plus the peaks and the, the valleys are when people go to the bar. Exactly. Spend money for the bar. So yeah, yeah. it's important. So that's all stuff you have to learn. And the only way to learn it, mm. I mean, they can, you know, Neil could sit down with me and kind of tell me this, but the only way to do it is to, to actually get out there and Absolutely. do it. So. So, it, you know, it, it took it took a little bit, but I fell in love with it and I, yeah. I really enjoyed it. And at that time, it really kind of helped fill that void of music. And was this around 2009, eight? Uh, yeah, this is about uh, eight or nine. Yeah. So you this was your first reintroduction into music again? Yes. Okay. Yeah. And, and doing it in this way, you yeah. know, um, DJ. Okay. And I had seen, like I said, I, I would go to raves and I would see, you know, house or jungle DJs or drum and bass DJs. But... Um, you know, getting into more like almost open format here in the city and, you know, where you could do house stuff, but then, you know, drop into like 20 minutes of hip hop and then come back. It's like learning that. Is that when it was called mashups? I think back then. Yeah. 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 And just, you know, taking, taking the people on a ride. That's, that was, uh, a hard thing to learn, but a good thing to learn. Right. I mean, it's almost like having stage presence or the band being able to work the crowd, but you're doing it instead of having a mic. Well, some DJs have a mic, yeah. but you're doing it with music. Yeah. Um, so uh, what's interesting, you're DJing, but you're also working like 5 a.m., aren't you? Like what time was your, your radio? I'd, I'd have to be in at 5 a.m. Yeah, and I, I, I burned out really quick. Yeah, I remember we spoke about it, and I felt like there was a moment where I felt like you were kind of feeling like you were going crazy. I was. Yeah, yeah. It, it was tough. It was a tough. How long was that run? Uh, that was probably, man. 
I almost say three, three, four years where I was full on, you know, DJing at night. You know, because I had a I, it, it, once the ball started rolling for me, I I didn't want it to stop. Right. You know, like. I had a gig and it's like, okay, like you're making okay money at this gig. Okay. You just got offered to do this other gig. Well, I don't want to turn that down because I don't want to give it to somebody else. Right. You know, I want to get my foot in the door in this place. So I would, I would DJ till some, you know, three, four o'clock in the morning and then just go right into work at five. And, um, it, I just burned myself out. Yeah. I just, you just, and how'd you, how'd you kind of save yourself from going off the deep end there or further off the deep end? Cause I remember you were kind of feeling yeah, I, th- I think that's when I started Black Caviar and I started just doing m- focusing more on Black Caviar gigs. And because it was a name and we were putting out music, we were able to ask a little bit more of a, for a guarantee. So I was being a little bit more selective of what I was taking. Um, as far as DJs, DJs but, as far as but DJ are you still doing that morning show? Yeah. So yeah. you're still waking up and there at 5 a.m. Luckily, it starts a little later. The show that I work for now is Jim Norton and Sam Roberts, um, and it starts at 8 a.m. So I get up at 6, which is still rough. It still sucks, but it's not as bad. I mean, 6 isn't that bad, as bad. I mean, 8 is ideal. (laughs) Exactly. Um, That was, you know, during the lockdown, it was great because I could just, you know, wake up and turn up, open up Zoom, you know, and just do the show there. That was that was a lot of fun. But, you know, yeah, I wake up at six, you know, I get there about seven and the show goes live at eight. It's it's not that bad. So gotcha. Um, Is there anything you're not okay with talking about on this show? Um, Listen, I I know Clarice is here, so it's something. Oh, yeah, I I mean, I I don't care. Okay. Yeah. No, I I know you know about it. Uh, So uh, are you big on the outdoors? Still? Uh, yeah, yeah, I love, I love, uh, I love outdoors. I love the beach. Love, uh, love the woods. Um, yeah, I love, love being outdoors. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I know you had a interesting experience. We're not gonna go down that road exactly. I don't want to uh, do that. But um, I kind of, kind of shaped you a little bit as far sure. as the person you became. And I know you went through some dark moments. We spoke of that many times. Um, yeah, and I almost feel uncomfortable talking about this right oh, now. No, David, so, that's fine. That's uh, fine. But. Um, yeah, you had an unfortunate incident happen with uh, an ex-girlfriend. Yeah. Right? yeah. Um, and how did that kind of change your your approach to, to life? And, and uh, how did it change you, man? Uh, yeah. So so in 2000, August of uh, 2013, I was hiking with my girlfriend at the time and she fell and she um, passed away. Um, and uh, yeah, it's 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 tough. It's 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 uh, you 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 kind of don't believe it's actually happening. Like, and was that the first time you lost somebody really close to you? Uh, other than like my grandmother, right, right, yeah, um, or you know, like yeah, relative. I had a friend die in eighth grade from a um, uh, four wheeler accident. Mm. Um, so that you know that I remember going to his funeral and right. kind of the processing you know like oh like this is what happens in life you know accidents happen and uh my friend is he's laying in the coffin you know Mm -hmm. and it's that that was you know uh, the first time that really kind of hit me and then you know my grandmother passed away and so uh but then this this was the you know the first time where it was like oh this is like you know not only not only does somebody pass away but then you have to um clean out their belongings and um yeah. you know, go through their stuff and, and, and f- finalize their and call the, the right. bank and 
call her parents and say, yeah. Hey, your, your, your daughter passed away. And, um, so that was, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, what helped you get through that and how, I mean, that, that understandably it took a long time, right? A long so. time. It, it, it took me about five years for it to, to sort of feel normal again. Yeah. Um, and I'll be honest with you, the, the, the thing that helped me the most out of anything absolutely was yoga. Really? Yes. I discovered yoga through our mutual friend. Yeah. Yeah, Kate. Kate, that's right. I gotta get Kate on the show. I haven't gotten her on there. Yeah, yeah. I have her to thank for that. Yeah. Um, she, she, uh, you know, it was one of those things where, like, I, I had always kind of been like, um, you work out, you know, you, you go cardio or yeah. you lift, and it's like, oh, I don't have, I, I don't, I can't, I can't calm down to do yoga. That doesn't, right, that's right. not, that's just not in my DNA. And when she explained to me how this works and what what it does for you, and then when I started going through it you know, you go like, oh, this is, this is working, Yeah. you know? And so you just get dive deeper into it, yeah. deeper into it. And I would go to, I went to a place in, um, on St. Mark's, there was a place called Yoga to the People. And mm-hmm. it was, um, it was great. It was a great place. It was, it was a community based yoga. They did, uh, donations. So you could, you know, if you had 10 bucks, you gave 10 bucks. Yeah. If you had two bucks, you gave two bucks. Yeah. If you had nothing, you, you just, they went and they just wanted you to practice you know, <clears> for, yeah. the community, for the better of the community. Um, which was an excellent, um, you know, thing, yeah. you know? Um, so, um, you know, I, I would go there and I would, and I would just see people like, I, you know, just, I would see people working through their problems, you know, like I would just see, I would see somebody in uh child's pose just cr- sobbing. Really? Yeah. And you that's, do, I, I mean, I've done a couple of yoga, I'm not a yoga person, but I've done a couple of yoga classes and I've never seen that before, but I know that yoga is essentially moving meditation, right? Yeah. But, but I never heard of people going through their emotions in a class and, and more power to them to let it out. But yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, you're, you're in, you're, you know, you, you store tension in your hips and in, you know, your back. So when you release that tension, sometimes emotions come with it. It's happened to me once the first time I ever did acupuncture. Oh, okay. That night I was like a mess. Yeah. <laughs> I was like 20, Eight at the time, and uh, it was actually an ex-girlfriend's mom who did it for me. And then that night, I'm like a mess. I'm like, what? Why am I feeling like this? <laughs> but I, I understand now. Yeah, yeah. It, it's amazing. I mean, I, I tell people all the time. You know, if they're, people are dealing with depression, I was just like, get into yoga. Get into yoga. Practice yoga. Um, I do think part of that was also the community, the yoga community. Hundred percent. Because I feel like a lot of like, I was talking to people. Matter of fact, I was talking to a friend yesterday. And a few weeks ago, I felt kind of shitty. And uh, what's really helped me other than, I always, I'm always active. So gym, outsiders, I'm outdoors a lot. Uh-huh. But helped me the most was, on top of that, getting out with, making a point of making plans with friends to go out. Not necessarily the going out part, but it was being with friends. And the community made me feel so much better. And knowing that I'm a Saturday, Sunday, or Friday, Saturday, Sunday, I have plans to hang out and like enjoy the city like I used to. Yeah. Almost feel like responsibility free and but just really connect with my friends and, and that, that aspect was the community aspect for me is the biggest part which is also the biggest part for me for outsiders people are like you're not a real outdoors person like in the sense of I've never been like a diehard hiker or a camper or you don't see me doing like you know spending a week in the woods it's not me but the community aspect is the same thing where I, what I built in nightlife 
was who I love the most and what's most helpful for me. Yeah. So and you do that very well. I mean, I've been to your events, I've been to your nightlife, and, and oh, you, yeah. you definitely build a great community and you 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 bring in pe- really good people gravitate to you and you're able to introduce people to other people and it's uh yeah. you know you've 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 made an excellent community. Thank you, brother. Yeah. Well you're part of it. Yeah, yeah. I'm happy to be I part appreciate, of it. Yeah. I appreciate I appreciate every time you show up. Uh it's funny, I don't get to see you too often. Whenever I do, I feel like I saw you, I spoke to you yesterday. Yeah, like, it's great. Man. Um, but yeah, the community aspect for yoga, the people is a great part of it. Like it's not just the yoga. Like I think it's so important. Yes, get moving, get those uh, tension points released. Mm-hmm. But like breathing, it's a lot of it's oh. breathing. It's it's controlling your. You know when you, that's the the, the the I guess the hidden thing in that I figured out in yoga is breathing and learning how to control your. You know like when you get anxious, you yeah. <laughs> breathing through it breathing through it and that and you can take that and use that in other parts of your life you know if you're stressed out at work and breathing calming down that's why i think that wim hof strategy uh the guy who goes like cold showers i was talking to a friend of mine because he was like having like panic attacks He's, he's calling me up like i don't know what to do i can't feel like this anymore so he tried anything he could and he started taking cold showers in the morning and cold showers in the morning in the summer cool cold showers in the morning in the winter yeah it's rough suck yeah but he told me you know why it helps i have to take deeper you ever get in cold water you're like <gasps> that deep breath and it knocks out your anxiety at least for a period of time and that breathing is huge it's a huge component of feeling better and get yeah. relieving your stress yeah so. Yeah, so I, I that's yeah the breathing and stretching. I mean, I, I can't especially the older you get, it is so good to stretch every single day. Um, it just I think get the blood flowing in general. So I don't do a lot of stretching. I'll do like the foam roll. I'll do some stretching. Mm-hmm. As a matter of fact, I can't do too much because that's what got my my back in trouble. <laughs> but but uh, I think yeah, getting getting the body moving. Yeah, and uh, even just yeah, any sort of activity. Um, they you know, they say movement is medicine. Yeah, you know it's good for your everything. Moving and being active is very good. For so you. what do you do for yourself now? I love riding bike. Yeah, we rode bikes a couple times. Yep. <laughs> yep, you're fast, man. <laughs> no, dude. You say I'm fast? Like, I have a bike with gears. You have a fixie. I do have a fixie. Yeah. So, like, of course, you know, and it's not like a, a, a speed, like a racing fixie. It's like a chilling fixie, right? Yeah. Well, I, it's, a, it's a crappy bike just because living in the city, you're like, this may get stolen. So, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's like, you know, if it gets stolen, I could just walk but away. But when I saw it. your photo last week with your bike with gears, it's like, finally, and you're like, I'm keeping it in Florida. I'm like, dude, yeah. bring, get one for here so we can ride. Yeah, I, I would love to here. But, you know, like, I, I, I ride it to work, I ride it around. Yeah. So I just have to lock it up to like a. Well, I guess get a bike where you don't like, I don't lock mine out anywhere. Like, I'm taking my bike inside wherever I'm going. Like, this is a bike where if I'm on this bike, I'm not getting off the bike. Yeah. You know? Yeah. No, I, I mean, I ride to work. I ride. I, I really try not to ride the subway anymore. I don't enjoy it. Um, yeah. So I, I try to bike everywhere if I can, as long as it's weather not, permitting. Yeah. yeah, weather permitting. So, um, yeah, I kind of need a little bit of a crappy bike. But yeah, I finally bit the bullet and, and bought myself a really nice bike. And and so it's I have gears and it's it's yeah. fun. It's really fun to ride. I'm. It's actually my size. You know, like oh, I'm six yeah. two. So like I have an extra large bike, and the one that I have here is like I feel like it's almost like I feel like a. You know where they have like a mini, like a, yeah, like a clown BMX. on a little, yeah. little little bike or something. That's what I feel like, you know. All right, so you started uh, Black Caviar. What made you start? How did you start Black Caviar? Who did you start it with? Like, what came about? Because you, your history is rock, then DJing, and but you're a music lover. I know you've always yeah. been into hip hop, rock, dance, all that stuff. What made you decide I want to start producing dance music? Or I know it's not really dance music, but electronic mixed genre music. 
So um, back in Pennsylvania, in the 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 scene in Allentown, um, next to Allentown's Reading, Pennsylvania, and um, so you know you'd you'd kind of play this like circuit of you know Philly, Allentown, Reading, uh, Scranton. You'd kind of be hitting all these different places, and uh, in Reading, Pennsylvania, there was a, a really good scene there. Um, there was a guy named Frank Phobia who um, threw really fun shows, and and they would be in this bowling at the corner of a bowling alley. And it would just be wild. I mean, you know, like no security, people diving <laughs> on top of each other, but like a community of people looking out for each other. Yeah. And, um, so I met a lot of amazing musicians that way. And um, one of the bands that come out of Reading was this band called Inner Party System. And they were um, kind of like right when like Killers and Franz Ferdinand were kind of mixing rock with dance. Yeah. You know, if you remember that in like, you know, 2005. Well, this whole mashup scene. Yeah. Yeah. So my one one of my friends, uh, Jared Pacone, he was the drummer in Inner Party System, and then they mm. broke up, and he had moved to New York and got a job at Republic Records, and um, so we're now talking like uh, this is about 2014, somewhere in there, um, 13, 14. This is this is where Spotify started coming in, and it was like, oh, you can just make music and just upload it. Yeah. And people can stream it all over the world, and then you get paid for right. that. Let's give it a shot. Um, well, and so so we started. We we actually started doing metal. We started a metal band. Really? Uh, wait, yeah. wait. Black caviar was metal first. At first, yes, we were called <laughs> Serpents That Swim. <laughs> and there's there's a couple songs out there, and they're they're not that good. You know, we we were just trying to. We were figuring out because we lived in New York and wait, we didn't have. There's some songs on Spotify for that. No, not on Spotify. I, I think you can find them on SoundCloud. Who was uh, the, who was the vocals? Me. Yeah, it was me and I need to hear this. It's just screaming. It's just not. I still need to hear it. Yeah, I'll send it to you. Uh, it's not that good, but um, so you know, we were like, oh, you know, we didn't have, you know, to to, to be in a metal band, you need drums, you need amps, and yeah. you, need, you need space. Not necessarily. What was that uh, that band that has like a DJ producing music and a guy who sings? Um, Adam Twelve was in it. I, anyway, yeah, uh, I, I know there there were there have been bands that have done like. Production, digital production. What? Uh, I'm drawing a blank at the moment. Yeah. But yeah, I, I know there is a band I know that kind of just has like a guitar player and like a, a, yeah. a guy on a, on, a, on a computer or whatever. But right. um, Genghis, Genghis Tron, I think, is their name. There's <laughs> another one, though, I know that's not that name, but I'm sure there's a few bands out there. Like yeah. That. yeah. So, yeah, we did it and it wasn't that good. And um, so then we just started making funny beats and like doing funny vocal, you know, like doing funny vocals over it. And that's how Black Caviar kind of started. And then we did a couple cover songs too. We kind of redid it. A few there's, no more, there's no vocals from you in Black Caviar, are there? No, all the vocals were Jared, my partner. That whenever okay. there was there was extra vocals. Yeah. Um, and then we we knew so many vocalists and and friends that we'd just be like, oh, come over and, yeah. uh, um, like my like we had we had a friend that um, was a, a singer in Japan, and she was here in the in the states. And then so she came over. We just started literally just hanging out and just being goofy and then we had her kind of say some stuff in Japanese and then we chopped it up and it made it into a song and then you know it's in like a Subaru commercial now you know <laughs> oh like God. it's like that kind of like yeah. crazy stuff who so does your placement for you we have a company called Zinc that okay. we work with now um, but how did you I mean you got all these connections through the radio stuff and music years of experience yeah well you know Black Caviar we we, we started out as a, a goofy thing and then it, we kind of started trying to turn it into a real DJ duo. And 
this is like, you know, 2018, 2019, we had, we had a couple songs that were sort of doing well. And, um, and then the pandemic happened and that kind of changed everything for black caviar. Um, we realized that we really hate, hate what this is becoming. Why? Um, because at the time with the management we were with, they were really kind of pushing us into this, like to become this bottle service DJ duo. And it just seemed so it, it, we felt like we were, it wasn't, we weren't being authentic. Right. And we, you know, our, our manager at the time was really kind of trying to push us to make music to fit that, that lane. So the music we were kind of doing at that time was, uh, it's not bad. I still like it, but it just doesn't, you know, we were like, so the pandemic happened and it was kind of like, we're, we're getting rid of everybody. We're stripping it back down to Jared and I and Black Caviar. We're going to self-manage ourselves and we're going to make the music that we want to make. And um, I truthfully, I, I've never been happier with the project. So. so what do you have coming up? So we have releases scheduled throughout the year. Uh, the new year coming up um, and then kind of to step out of what we were doing um, at, in the pandemic. We were, you know, just to do something fresh. Um, I had moved to a new neighborhood in New York City in, in Greenwich Village. Mm -hmm. And um, I was talking to my friend Nick, who's in uh, the Disco Fries. And he goes, oh, yeah, I manage a, a, a guy that lives in, in Greenwich Village. I said, oh, yeah, a producer guy. And I said, oh, cool. Like, what does he do? I was like, oh, yeah, he's great. And it turns out um, this guy, Domenico, he literally lives right across the street from me in New York City. <laughs> so um, I started hanging with him and I was like, wow, this kid's really talented. You know, 24-year-old kid and super talented, amazing guitar player, amazing musician. And I had worked with a vocalist in Ireland, this guy Ryan S., who is just an incredible vocalist, incredible songwriter. And he had given me a bunch of songs that are so good, vocals for them. He's just, they just need to be produced. So I talked to Domenico. I'm like, why don't we start a, a new project? Let's start. A, let's start something fresh. Something, you know. Let's let's do something, you know, funky '70s soul disco. Nice. Um, using more organic <laughs> instrumentation, and um, we we created a project called uh, Prince Street Bodega, and uh, up right now we've released two songs, and then we have a full album that every month we're going to roll out a new nice. song from this project. Okay. So uh, still doing Black Caviar. Black Caviar is a little bit more like dance hip hop and, and Prince Street Bodega is more 70s funk soul. Kind of so thing. what's your what's your vision for the future moving forward? Like, do you know, I mean, you're still at Sirius XM. Uh-huh. Yeah. Plan on staying there. Do you, do you like, what do you, what was your, your wish for your future? You know, at this point, I'm just in a, in a part in my life where it's taken me a long time, but I feel pretty content with the way things are going and um i i just want to make music that i enjoy doing and uh hoping for the best with it and uh kind of with what we've been doing is we've been getting a little bit moving more into the sync world where it's it's getting placements in movies um commercials um so we release the music and then we have a team that yeah shops it and um, we're writing some music for some upcoming movies. Um, that's, that's pretty exciting. Nice. So, uh, yeah, so the, it's, 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 I feel pretty balanced where I'm fortunate where I can do Jim and Sam in the morning on Sirius XM. And then I get to work on music in the afternoon. And, and is that Monday through Friday? Monday through Thursday. Thursday. Okay. So Friday off. Yeah. Not bad deal. Not bad at all. Maybe worth waking up at, uh, or being there at six. Yeah. It's not too bad. It's only four days um, a week. 
All right. So what do you do for fun? What do I do for fun? Um, well, uh, my girlfriend is a fantastic chef. So um, I know and I'm super. Ju- I don't know how you're not 300 pounds uh, right now. That's <laughs> it, why I got to stay active. Man, cause I can <laughs> I can I can get fat real quick. Um, so, you know, you, you, it's 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 fun to especially, you know, living in New York City, finding new restaurants. Yeah. Um, trying new food. Um, uh, what did we just we just had Sri, Sri Lankan food? Sri Lankan? Is that? I've never have you ever had Sri Lankan food? I don't think so. It's excellent. I would love to. It was the first time. Yeah. yeah. There's a place on Second Avenue we went to the other the other night. And I was like, I've never had this cuisine. And this is fantastic. And I'm a fan of that's Sri Lankan. That's a great thing <laughs> to do for fun. I mean, especially when we have somebody who has the, the in on all the best places to go to, which means I need an invite to that, please. Yes. <laughs> Let yeah. me know when you guys go explore. <laughs> um, all right. Um, what's I guess what motivates you to keep on doing? Because you do a lot of stuff, right? Yeah. Like you're not you're not a lazy dude. What, what's your motivation? I guess it would be. I I I feel best when I'm creating. Mm-hmm. I feel like life has purpose for me when I am creating um, music. I mean, I I just I love being a part of it. Mm-hmm. I love coming up with ideas. I love being inspired by music, you know, it's great, you know, playing music my whole life um, and hearing something and being like, you know, you, when you hear something and you can still get chills from music, Yeah. when you feel like you've heard it all and you're like, wow, here's something. I, I agree. And I don't understand the people who, I don't want to say I don't understand because everyone's different, but I don't understand the people who, who, who don't, who music is not a big part of their lives. I remember talking to this girl on a date once and this girl's like, yeah, I'm not really big on music. I just put it in the background. I'm like, how, what, what, what do you mean you put it in the background? And for me, like, yeah, I still get the, I still get chills when I hear great songs. Yeah. Like, I still, I still love finding new music. It's like getting a new toy, you know, yeah. like that's how I feel. Yeah. Um, a lot of people don't feel that way. Yeah. I, 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 the only thing I can say is like, I, I'm not crazy about movies and the guys that I work with on the show, they're just movie nerds. So, yeah. Maybe it's kind of like they, they can't like I, I didn't make it through. I haven't seen The Sopranos and they just their mind is blown that I just can't. I haven't seen that. Like that's that's probably the same as you thought, like, wow, you don't like music. That's what they feel with right, me, with like like in The Sopranos. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I, I don't know how I mean, music has just been such a part of my life for uh, since childhood, so I don't know yeah. how to live yeah. without it. You since know? you were what, like six or eleven, something like that. I mean, even earlier. I mean, my yeah, like my dad was playing Beatles records yeah. as far back as I can remember. I remember being, I remember being obsessed with like Michael Jackson, having Michael Jackson Same. T-shirts and so on. Like, Same. Yeah. Uh, and it was a moment in life in my life when I was like a teenager. I'd be afraid, embarrassed to say that, but like everybody loved Michael Jackson everybody. back then. Um, yeah. Uh, what's your favorite part of Outsiders? You've been to a good amount, and it's mostly, I think, bike rides, which is how we started. Mm-hmm. And I think you might have even been at one of our first few events. Mm-hmm. But what's your favorite part? Like I said before, I, I love the community. Um, you you have uh, such a great energy, and um, you attract good energy, and it feels like the people that come to your events are very cool. Um, they are open to meeting new people. They're open to uh, networking and being f- making new friends um, and, and building a community. And especially in a city like New York um, where, you know, it's hard. It's hard to. It's a big, lonely city. It's a big, lonely city. Yeah. So when you are kind of like 
the middle guy and everybody's kind of like, yeah, Jeremy's awesome. So if you think Jeremy's <laughs> awesome and I think Jeremy's awesome. Would Bams agree? <laughs> <laughs> I'm waiting for a smart ass comment from Bams. I'm sorry. I wasn't listening. <laughs> <laughs> of course he wasn't. Um, I appreciate that. Man. Yeah. Again, that's my favorite part of it. Uh, being able to connect people. I mean, I, once in a while, I get a little jealous, but I'll connect people and I see them hanging out outside of Outsiders. I'm like, hey, just don't forget about us. You yeah. Know? But, but I love seeing it. That's the goal. You know, it's hard to meet people, especially hard to meet people outside of an environment where, you're from, where you don't have to eat and drink. Yeah. Everything in New York, you want to meet people, you're forced to eat and drink. And don't get me wrong. I like eating. I do. But like, I don't want to be, let's say I just ate and I want to go hang out with friends. I don't want to be the guy at the bar or the restaurant that's not eating because... You know, you look that funny by the server, right? So then I order something because you have to. Yeah. I wanted to be able to do everything. Like as a kid, as you know, it's, it's very nostalgic because as a kid, you're hanging out with friends. It's not because you're eating and drinking. It's because you're hanging out, having fun, doing fun things outside. Yeah. So I guess maybe that's when I just really had that realization. Maybe that's why I like it so much. Reminds me of good times as a kid. Yeah. And it, it has that fun element of yeah. like, you know, we're, we're just here to have fun. You know, and that's, that's a, that's a, it's, it's hard. And it's harder to find the older you get. Oh, hundred percent. Yeah. 100%. So that's why what you're doing is is absolutely incredible. I hope you come more often, man. I would love to, yeah. <laughs> when you're in town. Uh, what is a dream that you've yet to achieve? Do you have like something that you're like, ah, I got to do that? Oh, man. What is a dream I've yet to achieve? Um, you know, I, I it's just... Uh, I don't know. I, I guess probably have a song... Um, really start to chart, I guess would probably be, uh, you know, but it's one of those things where it's like, I have peace with it. If it, if it doesn't, I, right. I'm in such a good place and I enjoy what I do. Um, if it happens, great. If it, you know, if it doesn't, I just love the fact that you're saying you're at peace and you're happy, all that stuff. I love hearing that one, because that's, that's the life goal, right? Sure. But also like, you know, we spoke about in general, Life being frustrating and tough, right? Yeah. And the fact that you found this peace of mind, man, I'm happy for it. I'm, dude, it's hard. Yeah. It's, and I, it's something I, believe me, I'll tell you, I struggle with it. And especially, you know, with like social media, you know, social media is a, a thing where like, you know, you, you just start comparing yourself to other people uh, and like, look how far this person is in their career and look how far yeah. this person. And, you know, you, you know, and this is up till recently where you're like, I have to disconnect from this. Like, mm -hmm. this isn't, this isn't real. And I, I can't be, because my, my journey in life is at a different place than this person's yeah, journey in life. Hundred percent, you know, and that, and that it just takes years of you know life kicking your ass to realize. And yeah, that. absolutely. And, and it's funny that you say that because I just recently posted like I was presenting an award for the Nordic Dutch Film Festival. People were like, oh, you're doing great things. I thought to myself, damn, I gotta post like a shitty moment. I want to post like a shitty moment in my life to show people like, hey, this is a real life. I'm posting the highlights of my life on my social. But I want to show you like. One of the posts I got the most um, uh, engagement with was a post my boy took of me. I was like slaving away on my computer, like like zoned out. And he takes a photo, and I'm like, I gotta post this photo because people always think my life is like just hanging out and being at this event or being in this hike or whatever. They don't see like the backside of it. Yeah. And uh, I want to post another post that doesn't have to be sad or bad, but just like a, a reality check, you know? Because yeah. I feel like people need to see that. Yeah. Um, so I got to figure out what that is. <laughs> yeah, yeah, same. I mean, I, I, I don't post much just because like, I, I don't know. I, I, I feel a little, sometimes I guess self-conscious, you know, like I, I, 
I'll post something. And I'll be like, why would anybody care about seeing me here doing this? Right. You know, but you, you as, as a business and when you, when you, when you're, yeah. you, know, you have to kind of put stuff out there. Yeah. Um, and that's, you know, that's something I still struggle with is I don't enjoy. I, I wish I, I had the ability you know, when you're in your twenties where you just don't care, you just do things, Yeah. you know, as you get older, you know, you kind of overthink things and that, that, that's definitely, you know, sometimes a problem I wish I could get over a little bit better, but you know, mm -hmm. it is what it is. Well, I think as long as you realize that anyone with a head on their shoulders thinks the same way, you feel better yeah. about it. Yeah. I, I, I do. Um, all right. What is your most embarrassing moment? Oh. Something really embarrassing. We've had a few great ones recently. I'm just gonna list one because I've been listening like two or three lately, and it takes too much time. But one is uh, my friend. <laughs> he's laughing because he knows him. Uh, my friend. Uh, wait, wait, wait. Which one are you gonna tell? Javier, I guess. Should I, or or Kentanaka? Which one? Ari's was cool, but I still like Javier's better. Javier, yeah, Javier's probably better. All right. So my buddy Javier lived in Atlanta. He's going to school on the on the city bus. Uh -huh. He's wearing snap off pants. Yeah. Gets on the bus, pant gets stuck in the door, walks up the stairs, rips off his pants. He's standing his tidy whities on a on a city bus for everyone to see. Everyone down the the, the aisle or whatever you want to call it is seeing him in his tidy whities on the bus before he goes to school. That's pretty embarrassing. Uh, the other one I'd like to mention is Ken Tanaka. I got to mention Ken Tanaka. Ken Tanaka ran the marathon, the New York City Marathon with food poisoning. Took him eight hours and 27 shits later, he finished all. Oh, man. <laughs> I was like, why did you run it, dude? Oh, I barreled through it. I, I love know. it. I, I love mean, it. I think Ken's might be more embarrassed. Ken, you know what Ken's is, but like, it's self-inflicted. You know what I'm saying? Like, you, self, you, you chose to run the marathon with food poisoning, but Ken's like a dude who's like, Super focused. Like he promised you do it, he's gonna do it. Even if he has to take twenty seven shits, he's gonna do it. <laughs> wow. That's yeah. yeah, that's pretty incredible. So it's very um, Wow, let's see you're an embarrassed. I mean, there's you know, there's so many. I don't even know uh it's whatever comes to mind, man. I, I guess it would be um I I would <laughs> <laughs> uh, so when the pandemic happened, um my girlfriend and I moved down to Florida and we mm -hmm. got, we got a place down there. And, um, so I got into CrossFit and, um, I had never really done CrossFit. I had never did that, but, but I was, uh, <laughs> she's laughing already. She knows what it is. Okay. So, so, and the problem with being down in Florida is, um, there's a lot of amazing fried chicken. <laughs> it's just, there's a, uh, the supermarket down there, Publix. They have the best I heard. fried chicken. You've, you've, you've told this to me yeah. like six times. I, I, I'm, I'm the biggest advocate of Publix fried chicken. It's literally <laughs> the best fried chicken I've ever had in my life. But anyway. Awesome. So I was, I was addicted to fried chicken, and I started CrossFit at the same time. Oh. So and I started doing squats, and I had never done squats. And <laughs> oh, um, I started, you know, uh, the trainer down in Florida was like, oh, you know, you can push. You're a big guy. You can push yourself. You can push yourself. And um, I, I was pushing myself, and um, I got a really bad hemorrhoid. Oof. Really bad. And I was in just excruciating pain for just, just days upon days, and I didn't know how to deal with it. <laughs> Just told us you got a hemorrhoid. I love you for that. <laughs> and he kept saying, pushing it. I thought it was going to totally. I thought, yeah, I yeah, thought where do you think we were going? I was going to shit myself. Yeah, yeah basically. Yeah, 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 no, <laughs> no, it gets better. So, yeah. So, so I'm in excruciating pain. I can't do anything. I can't sit. I can't walk. I, I'm in, I'm in hell. <laughs> 
So I said to I said to my girlfriend, I said, we gotta go, I gotta go to the ER. I gotta get this taken care of immediately. And the two I go to the ER down in Florida, and the, the these two extremely attractive <laughs> nurses were there to to help me, and I was beyond embarrassed that you have to pull down your pants in front of these attractive girls that are, you know, and and, and my girlfriend, yeah. of course, you know, and uh and she is laughing at me because she knows what hell I'm in, yeah. how embarrassed yeah. I'm, in, I'm in pain, and, and this is happening to me. This is embarrassing. And um, so, yeah, and then, and then, you know, I had to explain what's happening, and they had to get in there and look at it. And uh, it was, it was, how, how did they fix the hemorrhoid? Well, you just, you kind of get, you get, uh, you get some cream, you get some ointment, and, um, they, they and you have your girlfriend apply it on. No, I didn't. I did not do that. <laughs> <laughs> we skipped that that part. Um, but yeah, that, so that was probably the most. Uh, I, I mean, I, I look. I have so many. I could be here telling you embarrassing moments. That's a good one. Yeah, but yeah. So I mean, the fact that you had like two good-looking nurses looking at your hemorrhoid. Yeah, that's fantastic. Extremely embarrassing. Yes, that is great. <laughs> you. Uh, you did a good job finding a nice embarrassing story. <laughs> good, good. Um, all right. Is there anything I haven't asked you you want to share? Uh, anything I forgot about or whatever? Uh, I don't know. I mean. Anything I don't know about you? I don't know. I, th- I, don't, I think we may have covered it. I'm not sure. I mean, we. I think we have. We yeah. spoke about your hemorrhoids. So I, where do you pretty, go from there? I think we <laughs> just go to the five rapid fire questions. Because... <laughs> That's about a wrap. Um, all right, so five rapid fire questions. Okay. All right. Uh, and I have a six because you're a music head, so it's okay. me six. Uh, favorite city other than New York City? Uh, San Francisco. Okay. L.A. Okay, fine, L.A. Wait, wh- why are you answering for him? Which one? I love Amsterdam. I love Amsterdam. Actually, you know what? That's a good point. Love Amsterdam. Amsterdam. We're going to put that on the list. All right. Amsterdam it is. Uh, If you could do any other profession in the world, what would you do? I I wish I could be a stand-up comedian. I think it's, I think that's. I think you can be. I can't be. No, 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 no. I did stand-up comedy once. I I bombed. Just tell tell, tell, like hermoid stories. You'll do great. Yeah, yeah. It's it's just yeah. There's there's a real art to it, especially somebody that can just go in and control a crowd. I I mean, even you know, like working in comedy, working on the show. You know, you you just you know the best comedians in the world, and to just walk out on a stage with a microphone and just riff with people is such an I mean incredible art. Yeah, yeah, but they bomb when they go out though. Like they go test material and they'll bomb. For oh, a of course, yeah. They, but they, of course, but they also bomb. I feel yeah. like every comedian, as funny as they are, are miserable individuals. But they are. Yeah, they are. So I'm yeah. glad you're not a comedian. Well, I guess. Like, yeah. um, what's your vice? Uh, I love eating. I love Food. eating. I mean, your girlfriend facilitates your vice, I guess. I know because I mean, if it were up to me, I would literally just be eating all the time because really? <laughs> I have to like at some point you have to you have to pump the brakes I'm glad like, you got that bike yeah um, what's your greatest fear uh, probably um, uh, having be laying in my bed as an old man and having a attractive nurse have to put on the hemorrhoid cream <laughs> <laughs> 
That's not your, your biggest fear, man. What's your biggest fear? <laughs> I don't know. Um, you know, probably, uh, probably knowing that you are dying. Mm, so death. Yeah. Not, not, not necessarily death, not, not being here. It's just the act of knowing like, oh, this is, this is it. This is, this is the end and I'm witnessing the Oh, end like it. when it comes. When it comes and knowing that you are, you're going through this at Oof. this point. Yeah, that's probably... Uh, hopefully it comes at a place where like, you're like, all right, take me because I'm done. Yeah, I'd rather like a lights out kind of kind yeah. of death. But yeah, probably knowing that like, you know, having to sit in a, a hospital oh, bed while yeah. you're... And you're like, okay, this is... And people have to come see you and say goodbye to you. I think that would be a pretty... Yeah, I don't know if there's a, a way... That would be great. No, <laughs> no. no. Um, all right. This is the additional question before my last yeah. question is uh, if, out of any band in history you can be part of any music group or whatever. Who would you who would you choose? Man. Man. Um, Narrow it down to one. Yeah, one that stands out. I mean, obviously, I know there's going to be many that you'd be part of. Yeah. Which one would you be like, ah, that's who I would I'd be part of? Um, I'm going to say Mr. Bungle. Mr. Bungle? <laughs> yeah. Am yeah. I supposed to know Mr. Bungle? Yeah, I can't believe you don't know Mr. Bungle. Wait, you don't know Mr. Bungle? Stop it. You don't know Mr. Bungle either. Yeah, dude, the lead singer is from what's his, uh, from Faith No More. Faith No More. Really? Mike yeah. Patton. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Mark used to listen to them all the time. Uh, maybe I know my song. I just I would assume I'd know I the name. You, Mr. Well, uh, what, uh, Nightmare Air Conditioner or something? Uh, Air Conditioned Nightmare. There you yeah. go. Okay. Not, you probably know that song. All yeah, right. they were just extremely uh, skilled musicians. And the singer, Mike Patton, was in Faith No More. Yeah. And when Faith No More blew up, he got his, old, his other band signed. And they are just incredible musicians. And they do it with such ease. And they flip through genres just so w without any effort. Really? And um, they're just wild. They're just a wild band. I mean, so. it speaks to your musical career. It does. Yeah. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Nice. Okay. Yeah. I'm going to have to go listen to them and see if I know their songs. All right. Last question. What's your favorite food and what did you bring? Oh, um, well, I guess it, it, it's hard to... <laughs> it's hard to, to pick one thing because, you know, like, I don't know. Do I show up with tacos? Do I show up with you can, uh, whatever you want? But I see you brought a Kit Kat. As far as a candy bar goes, this to me is the superior candy bar. Really? I think so. I think it is the perfect snack. So why is it a Kit Kat? I know for me, if I had to pick like a well-known brand as far as candy bar, I would have chosen Snickers. Personally, Snickers is a good one. I feel yeah. like Snickers is a lot. I feel like this is simple. It's delicious. It has crunch. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, I just, I, I don't know why. I just feel like this is the superior candy bar. It's interesting. Yeah. It's, and it's, it's more basic than most. It is. Yeah. But sometimes you don't, sometimes less is more. Very true. Yeah. I don't know how to follow up on that, but <laughs> that's, that's a good choice. Um, I don't know. I think that's that's. Are we not going to eat it? I thought we were going to eat it. Oh, you can eat it. I thought you were going to have it with me. I am on this annoying doctor ordered. You can't have chocolate. I can't. No sugar. How about you, my man? You want a piece of Kit Kat? All right. He always turns down all the food anyway. Why do you Why do you turn down the food? Uh, can't. Oh yeah. Um, how was that? You want to describe it to us? 
Oh, fantastic. <laughs> fantastic. We didn't hear this, the crunch. Uh, it's not like the commercials. I know. Uh, yeah. Well, yeah. False advertising. Good guy. Awesome. Well, uh, I, I think that's everything. Cool, man. I appreciate you coming on and sharing your story. I think, I think what makes your story interesting, uh, and I've told people this, they're asking me who my favorite stories are, is people who had different chapters in their lives. You've had a few. Yeah. And I feel like you're not done yet. I, I feel like see. Mm-hmm. I know you're going to continue creating and finding new ways to, uh, to make money and express yourself. So um, maybe we'll see you as a stand comic sometime soon. Yeah, maybe. Maybe not. But uh, <laughs> yeah, thanks for yeah, being thanks on the for show. Yeah, thanks for having me by, man. Appreciate it. All right. Awesome. Well, see you guys.